0: Well, hello and welcome to a special edition of Down to Earth. Sienna Campbell here with you for the next hour and we won't have our usual contributors with us this evening because, as the music suge- suggests, I'll be talking to two individuals who are planning an unusual, not to say unique, winter break. But more of that later. First, here's Planksty.
1: a lump of lead Me shoes are frozen to me feet From standing at your window Let me come in, the soldier cried Cold blow in the rainy night Let me come in, the soldier cried I'll never come back again now Me father's working down the street Me mother the bedroom keys does keep Me door and windows all do creak. I cannot let you in now. Let me come in. The soldier cried, Cold blow in the rainy night. Let me come in. The soldier cried, I'll never come back again now. Then she came down and leant him in and kissed his ruby lips and chin. They went back to bend again, and the soldier, he won her favour. Then she blessed the rainy night, cold and the rainy night. Then she blessed the rainy night, that ever she lent to in now. Oh, now you've had your way with me. Soldier, won't you, you, you marry me? Now me love that never can be, so fair be well forever. Then she cursed the rainy night, cold blow in the rainy night. Then she cursed the rainy night, dance ever, ever she lent him in now. The then he got some foot of the bent and he put his hand upon his head. She had lost her maiden head and her mummy had heard the jingle Then she cursed the rainy night, cold blow on the rainy night Then she cursed the rainy night, that ever she lent him in
0: now. Well there you heard the title track from Plankstead's Cold Blow on the Rainy Night album. Well, even though we may have broken the back of winter and the days are getting longer, we've still got January and February to get through. Wouldn't it be great to get away? Most people who do manage a winter holiday make for the sun. But earlier this week, I spoke to two people who were heading for, of all places, the Arctic. Of course, it's not strictly a holiday. It's actually the first all-Irish Arctic expedition. Next month, Danny Os- Osborne, John O'Mara and Dr Jerry Wardell will set off for Ellesmere Island a bleak landmass 1,000 miles inside the Arctic Circle. There, at temperatures that can be as low as minus 40 degrees, this unlikely trio will spend six months working, exploring and experimenting. I say unlikely because Jerry is a physicist, John a cameraman, and Danny a painter and ornithologist. Danny's not a total stranger to the place. He spent six months in an Eskimo settlement in 1977. But this time the expedition will be covering new ground, literally. They'll be going 500 miles beyond the nearest settlement, charting areas hitherto unknown to man. Jerry and Danny told me all about the proposed trip, and we'll start with a typical day on an Arctic expedition as described by Danny.
2: Well, um, we'll be living in a small tent eight-foot square for six months, the three of us, so um, we'll each take it in turns to climb out of the sleeping bag and chip away the ice to make a first brew-up have and tea. And, so when that's made and everybody's had a cup, then we'll get up, have some breakfast, a big bowl of porridge with dried apple and raisins in it, perhaps another brew-up, and then poke your head out of the tent, see what the weather's like. And then we'll each be doing our different jobs, one man with the skidoos, the other man uh, packing the tent... Getting the thing the gear together, having a look round, taking meteorological observations and notes on the weather, and then we'll be heading off. Um, we'll be stopping for breaks every every so often and a brew up just to keep warm. Chocolate forms quite an important part of snackery because uh, you can get fairly instant energy from that. And uh, then we we'll try to keep some sort of routine because. With uh, 24 hours daylight and the sun just going round and round, you can very easily lose track of things and uh, go on and get overtired and then it has a bad effect on you later on. So if we we'll hold some sort of routine, although there's no day or night, Of um, the best way of having a routine is stopping at um, by the watch to have meals, which is good. Um, the Inuit, the Eskimos, uh, tend not to have any set routine like that. They just stop when they're hungry and eat, or they might be uh, stuck for days on end with a blizzard blowing. I mean, well, we we will as well. But uh, I find the routine is very good.
0: Well, what about at night entertaining yourselves?
2: Uh, well, I don't play cards, but <laughs> um, a few... Hefty, boring novels is the only answer there, I should say. Yeah. I
3: think Finnegan's Wake might be one good good book to bring. That would keep <laughs> us going for six months.
0: You can bring War and Peace <laughs> and all the rest of it. Uh, and if you, would you be having a few jars at all?
3: Uh,
2: no. I think the drink we'll take will be purely for medicinal purposes because um, alcohol tends to make your blood capillaries dilate and so you lose heat very quickly, uh, which is the wrong thing to do.
0: And... Bedtime will be at ten o'clock sharp, and if you're not in bed, Danny'll be around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to dress to keep out that sort of cold?
3: Um, there'll be plenty of layers. That's the important thing to have layers with air in between them. So it'll be thermal underwear, and then woolen trousers and um, shirts over that. Down-filled jackets, down-filled outer trousers, and a uh, parka. Then on your head, you have earband band and um, balaclava.
0: It'd be well and, um, wrapped up.
3: A few pairs of gloves and a few pairs of socks and boots.
0: Is it difficult to work then mm. uh, in, in that sort, of under those conditions, Danny? I mean, you you'll be painting with gloves and things on you.
3: Yeah,
2: that's no big problem really. Well, I've, I find I uh, have s- we work, wear silk gloves for fine work and things. But as far as when I'm painting, uh, mm-hmm. most of the movement comes from the elbow anyway, so it's uh, it's not too much trouble. But on our feet, um, that's quite important, because they tend to get cold, even in this climate, with some people. But we wear the things called kamiks, which the Eskimos wear. They're big uh, duffel liners. And you can wear a couple of pairs of those.
0: You actually suffered from frostbite the last time, didn't you?
2: Uh, I had a bit of frostbite on the f- my left-hand side of my face and the nose, you know. Uh, it wasn't too serious. It healed up after a few months. <laughs>
0: There you heard White Rock and that comes from the soundtrack of a film on the Innsbruck Winter Olympics and it was composed and performed by Rick Wakeman. Well, back now to the Arctic expedition. I asked Jerry what, in fact, he would be doing there.
3: We have our work fairly well cut out for us. Um, in the initial phase of the expedition, we'll be doing a long sledge journey by motor toboggan and um, sledges. And in the second phase, we'll be doing scientific work studying the solar energy available solar energy testing solar energy collecting devices daniel be studying the fauna with special emphasis on the migratory birds and he'll be doing a series of paintings john o'mara the third member will be um, making a documentary film in collaboration with rte on the whole expedition
0: right well you two are due well you three in fact are due to head off in february to Ellesmere but in fact you've been working on this for months and months and months how did it start what have, what, have, what have brought you together in the first place
3: oh yes there'll be about a year and a half work done by the time we depart um, Danny and I got together and we both had an interest in going to the Arctic and um, we sort of kicked around the idea the summer before last for a couple of months and then around about November of last year we um, sort of started working out seriously just what we're going to do and how we're going to do it that was followed by um, in the beginning of January of 1980 we went over to the Scott Polar Research Institute in Cambridge and um, there we met a lot of people who had been on expeditions both to, to the Arctic and the Antarctic and we talked with them and um, got a great deal of information from them and worked out sort of the overall details of what we'd like to do. And between then and now we've been filling in those details making the preparations which are very extensive and of course looking for sponsorship.
0: Danny I'll move to you for a second. What's your background? Why are you heading off to the Arctic?
2: Well I was there before in 1977 and I suppose the reasons I went there then was because I thought it would be (coughs) a totally alien place like outer space and I wanted to go somewhere which, uh, where everything was totally new and fresh and th- everything I saw would be for the first time. But uh, since coming back from there and uh, thinking about it, I think finding the links between Ireland uh, get closer and closer, between Ireland and the Arctic. Well, what sort re- of links are you well, talking the, about? The relationship between the... Um, uh, during the last ice ages... Well, the last ice age. Uh, this is the most important uh, factor in forming the Irish landscape. It was uh, responsible for carving the, the shapes that we know it today.
0: And you paint some of those shapes, don't uh, you?
2: Yes, I, I live down in West Cork, and it's very easy to see the, the, um, the marks which the ice made because it hasn't been. There's been very little soil development over the last 10,000 years there, so you've got a, lo- a lot of bare rock. And you can see all the. Uh, um marks which the glaciers made and the the sheets of ice. So uh so in fact the, the Arctic's quite important. Um okay. then there's the birds, which um although not very many people know about it, we have the, the green and white fronted goose and the light bellied Brent Goose also in which we have about fifteen to twenty percent of the world's population that go from here every year to the Arctic places like northern Ellesmere so that's one thing we'll be looking at is um, finding their most northerly breeding grounds and doing a marking operation on them.
0: Jerry back to you what's your background what brings you to this point?
3: Um, My professional background is as a a physicist and um, up to now I've been working in the um, applied research and consultancy group in Trinity College I've always had an interest in the polar regions and um when I graduated, I did actually apply to the British Antarctic Survey for a position in the Antarctic, and um, the position I was offered was a two-year contract, which I felt at that age was um, too long to be, you know, in a remote area. So I postponed it, and um, now I have the opportunity to go.
0: Jerry, how's it going to be living with just you know the three of you together for six months? Is it not going to be terribly claustrophobic in a very sterile environment like that?
3: Yeah, well, this is. You know, a very important consideration in planning the expedition that um is sort of the human, hum, human side of it that we do need to be very compatible and I think the three of us are um, in past expeditions where people have been picked more at random there have been you know clashes of personality but I, I don't see any serious difficulty coming with the three of us I'm sure we'll have our moments and our disagreements but I, I feel that we'd be able to resolve them.
0: are mountain daredevils there and snowbound. Well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to a special edition of Down to Earth, because tonight we're looking at the first all-Irish Arctic expedition. I'll let Jerry continue the tale.
3: Um, people have known, especially the Eskimos, that the, the polar bear pelt trousers are the warmest you can get. And in the last few years, um, th- 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 some universities have been studying the thermal properties of the pels of the um, they call them homeothermic pelts and um, they've looked at the polar bear and they found that the fibre of the hair is actually hollow and the light um, is transmitted down through the fibre into the blood vessels at the end of the fibre. It's a bit like the greenhouse effect so the the polar bear has a coat, his coat not only keeps him warm but it also actually collects the solar energy this is a theory anyway, it hasn't been proven so so far and um, I'll be taking up a polar bear pelt panel with me and I'll be mon- monitoring the solar radiation which is instant on the panel and at the same time look at the temperature rise to see if I can verify this theory.
0: And do you have much hope that you can? Uh,
3: the, uh, it, it, the evidence points <laughs> to the fact that they do act as um, solar energy collectors and if, if it's true it's, it'll be very interesting because um, synthetic fibres could be made to emulate this effect and um, there's, you know, great potential for clothing applications there and building applications.
0: Well, at least it won't mean that we'll all be running off to get polar bear pants.
3: <laughs> no, you might have a nice warm coat for next winter.
0: Um, <laughs> looking through your uh, one of your booklets um, with description of, of the actual expedition, you say extension, scientific research in uh, the extension of current... Isotopic climatology research project or something like that anyway what does all that mean
3: that's right um, th- there is um, a researcher n- not in the same area as our base camp but in northern Ellesmere Island and he will be there that Dr Ray Bradley um, he was at the Scott Polar Research Institute when we we're over there he's going to study the development of storm systems and um, the method he's going to use for that work is um, collecting snow samples during snowstorms and I'm sending them to a laboratory to be analysed for the different oxygen isotopes and um, we'll be working in collaboration with him and when he wants to collect samples at the point he is we will simultaneously collect samples where we are and in that that way he'll have twice the amount of data that he would have if he was working on his own so it, it won't be really much work for us and we won't be directly involved in the project but we will be um Providing him with you know quite a lot of useful data.
0: Okay, Danny. People haven't actually been um, around a lot of this island. People haven't walked around it or whatever before. Yeah, traveled around vast it
2: vast areas which nobody's been into at all. Yeah. Um,
0: well, how are you going to find your ways around? Is is it mapped or?
2: Well, it is mapped through aerial photographs. Yeah.
0: And are you going to add any information to this, or do you think <coughs> that there is much
2: information needed? Um, geographically, I'd, not a whole amount, but we'll be able to. Uh, perhaps check up on a few sightings and things just to uh, make sure they're correct.
0: What about, you were also going to be looking at the fauna of the area. Is there actually very much?
2: (coughs) Yeah, well, one of the main areas we're interested in is the, uh, as I was saying before, the light-bellied brent goose. And uh, up to ten years ago, nobody knew that, uh, that the brents that we had in this country wintered in that area at all, or even in the high arctic. Um so it was just by accident that some of which were ringed up there were found over here. So there's um there's a whole lot of work which needs being done to find out where the most northerly breeding grounds are. It's funny, I was talking to the director of migratory birds in Canada the other day on the phone. Um and he was saying, Oh well Yes, any Brents that you find up there will be from Ireland <laughs> uh who'd want to go to New Jersey when they could go to Dublin Bay? <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, so we'll, we'll be doing a marking operation to just uh, see where where they do go and where the dividing line is, because the ones in the south go down to the east coast of North America, and it's generally thought that the ones up in our area will come over to Ireland.
0: Right, that should be rather interesting. Yeah. Now, John Omar isn't with us. Uh, he'll be making the film. Can you tell me a little bit about the film that he hopes to make? What sort of a film?
2: Um, well, it'll be basically a, re- a record of our activities, all the, the work projects and the joys and the sorrows and uh, <laughs> the, of the expedition, just uh, for, to keep a good record of what's been going on. And, to a certain extent, the, um, the work we're doing in this country... Uh, getting the expedition together and um, how an expedition is
3: organised. I'd add there that um, the educational aspect is one aspect of the expedition which we're very much conscious of and um, we feel that we'd like to bring back as much material to um, present to the young people here to um, teach them about this little known but increasingly important region of the earth.
4: That's they
0: Well, there you heard Lord Franklin from Kevin Burke and Me O'Donnell it's a sad song about Lord John Franklin and 129 of his men who set off on the 19th of May 1845 to find the Northwest Passage they were never heard from again Franklin's ship struck in the ice for two years and he himself died in 1847 the expedition aroused great public interest and the ballad makers chose Lady Franklin's troubled dream as a setting for their song sad stuff to be playing when we're talking about a forthcoming Arctic expedition
3: there's, a, there's an amazing amount of little detail, you know, all the equipment must be very specialised and must be the best. For example, the batteries for the radio um, would be operating at, say, minus 40 degrees centigrade. And um, the the efficiency of batteries at that temperature is very low, so we need to work out ways of charging them. We'll be using the solar panels to charge them. We'll be using our motor divulgments to charge them. And, um, you know, if everything fails, we'll have a hand generator. But just little things, every little detail needs to be worked out and tested beforehand. We've had a lot of help from Irish companies, like in the batteries, the um, chloride are helping us to um, decide which batteries are the best and Philips are helping us with the solar panels and so forth. So we've, we've had an enormous amount of help from Irish companies, but still there's so many little things that everything must be thought of. You know, there's no way we can run to the corner shop and get another gold that we've forgotten.
0: Yeah, well what about you yourselves, you know, you as uh, pieces of equipment, um, how have you been building yourselves up physically?
3: Um, generally trying to keep as fit as possible. Um, it's been quite difficult because we've been so busy with the administration we we spent more time than we would have liked sitting in the office, writing letters and making phone calls and so forth. Um so in, in general, just keeping as fit as possible, swimming and um, as much exercise as possible. You are talking yeah, Jerry
2: about does more <laughs> swimming things, but uh, I live down in West Cork, so I do a lot of um, walking and cliff climbing and things like that.
0: Have you in any way been able to simulate an Arctic environment here? I'm not just talking about the mm-hmm. cold, but about the conditions, the sort of... Uh, well You're i travelling around you know, at the b-
2: beginning of this year I was uh, sleeping in, in McGillicuddy Cuddy Reeks in the snow. Uh, camping <laughs> rather not without a tent. Yeah. I was over in Scotland for Christmas, so I was um sledging and the rest of it. It's fairly Arctic up in the in the central Scotland there. And a friend of mine has a dog team up there which we were using. So it's uh, it's near enough, not the extreme temperatures.
0: What about John? How has he been managing about that? How does he feel about going off into the wilds? Has he had any experience of this before?
3: Well he's so. he's done quite a you know, a, a lot of um strenuous things in the past. For example, um, you remember the fast net race last year where a number of people became croppers? He was he survived that, okay. And he's done a lot of uh yacht yacht racing and the like. Oh he's spent enough. Time. so he's sporty, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, there's Devo on the flip side of their single whippet. It's called Snowball. Right, what kind of food does one bring on an Arctic expedition?
2: Food, we're taking uh, practically all processed food, most of it from Ireland. Um, There's a a lot of companies that have uh, donated food to us. Uh, People like Erin Foods are one of the best um, uh, people in... They they invented the freeze-dried process, and so they're... They've got one of the, um, the most developed packing systems and things like that. We'll be taking all this along with us. Um, biscuits will form a high percentage of our diet. You see, we have a huge weight problem. That's so uh, everything goes back to weight all the time. So it's all, it's all got to be dried, freeze-dried, uh, and that just to cut down on the weight, get rid of all the water. We'll be making uh, four depots around the north coast, which we'll pick up on our route round but we'll be taking it all with us Yeah, we've
3: we've kept all our sponsorship to ireland and you know we're we're very happy that it is a next expedition organized and financed from ireland we, you know that's a very important aspect and um because of that we, we're bringing as much irish products as we can even where it's to our economic disadvantage for example um, um on board bono will provide us with butter but um, the cost of transporting it from Dublin to Resolute Bay, which is, which is the last point being going on the commercial aircraft, is much more than the cost of butter there. <laughs> but at the same time, we, we prefer to bring Irish butter if at all possible, and then look for somebody who might help us to pay for the freight.
0: What about your sponsors? How has all that been?
3: Um, the response has been very good overall. Um, we're not quite there yet but we feel confident Oh well, where stage. is
0: there what's your target being
3: the well the, the budget is um, in a way theoretical because we're getting a lot of the our requirements in kind and um, if we had to pay for everything which we need the budget is we estimated it was 87000 um, of that the biggest element is the aircraft which we have to charter to get us from the last point we can go to by commercial aircraft up to our base camp is a distance of only about 600 miles but um the we have to charter a dc3 and a twin otter to bring our equipment and ourselves there and that's the biggest single item of our expense um in terms of what how far we are um it's the the um goods in kind um, have been the most the easiest to get together Um, the cash has been a little bit more difficult but um, we've been doing okay there as well
0: did people find you a strange trio in in the sense that uh, you Danny are going off um, essentially you're a painter
2: yeah that's my job
0: and um, it's been advertised although you will be you know you're also an ornithologist people are um, in the press any, any press I've read about you it's highlighted that you are an artist going off into the wilds. Do people find that hard to take? Do they feel that you are a waste, that you won't be pulling your (coughs) weight?
2: Well, I had, uh, when I was in the Arctic before in 1977, I came back with an exhibition of paintings. So uh, I have a certain amount of credibility as far as the the actual work I'll be doing there goes.
0: What will you be doing the work in, um, will it be oils or?
2: Uh, Oil paints, yeah. I had, uh, I managed to do a small bit of watercolour painting there before, but it down was, the snow. even in the summer, I mean, most of the time they they just freeze instantly, I mean, you just get a sheet of ice forming, and sometimes I tried a few things with keeping a little burner going under the water, under the uh, dish of water to keep it going, so you do a picture, but maybe a couple of days later the thing thaws, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a big blotchy mess. <laughs>
5: Cold and raw the north did blow, bleak in the morning early. All the trees were hidden in snow, daggled by winter yearly. Gentlemen riding over the hill, met with a farmer's daughter. A rosy cheeks and a bonny brow, they made his mouth to water. Quickly he saluted me, meaning to show his greeting. I bowed to him right gracefully, his courtesy exceeding. He asked me where I went so soon, and longed to begin a party. I told him to the next market down, a purpose to sell me barley. In this purse, sweet girl says he, 20 pounds like belly. Seek no further one to find, for I'll take all your barley. Twenty more would by delight your body, your love so dearly. If you would lay with me all night and go up in the morning early. £50 could buy the globe, it's this i never do, sir. Nor were me making as far as job. I would not raise him so, sir. If I lay with you this night, we'd get a young child together. And you'd be gone at the nine months' end, and where should I find a father? He told me he'd married been fourteen years or longer, or else he'd take me for his own and tie the knot much stronger. A bad him lend a further wrong, but manage his word like fairly, and keep his gold for his wife, and come and some other should
0: have me for an album called Ashes and Diamonds by June Tabor, you just heard Cold and Raw. Well I wanted to know how isolated the expedition members would in actual fact be.
3: We'd we'll be maintaining a twice daily schedule with the um, Polar Continental Shelf Network in the Arctic and um, they will relay our messages back to Resolute Bay and they can be sent from Resolute Bay to Dublin by um, Telegram. So we'll be in you know, fairly direct contact with the headquarters
0: and if they don't if you don't <coughs> contact them on one particular day they will check up if you on don't you.
3: contact the, them within 48 hours they send out a party to look for you
0: Are friends of yours in any way worried or family are they worried about you going off
3: um, to see us go I think <laughs> it depends yeah. on, on the so yeah some are pleased to see us go I think <laughs> some are a bit slightly nervous I think
0: Jerry, when you come home, um, you'll have a, your work cut out for you. You'll be travelling around, giving lectures, showing the film, all the rest of it. But aside from all of that, you'll probably have a lot of difficulty fitting in again into this environment, into Ireland.
3: I think, yeah, it, it'll take a few weeks to slip back into Just a few normal weeks. life. Um, I don't think you'd... You know, you would never be exactly the same as you were before you went, but then, um, you no matter what you do, that's true um i i think this will be you know one of the difficulties adjusting readjusting but no I people have, agree. people have done it, that it, you, you know, it'll done change
2: you. changes people considerably going into a, an environment like that
0: you found a change good yeah and you enjoy the change obviously if you're going back
2: um well i think it's important <laughs> i i have important work to do there yeah. So I'm going back, but uh, yeah, it's an extremely exciting place how, how to be. How did
0: it change you, though?
2: Um, well, be- it gives you, because you're, st- you're stepping back from the world. I mean, when you're up there on the roof of the world, you can hardly believe that mm. this other place where you've lived all your life exists at all. Um, I mean, you're just miles away from any anything, even when you get back to the settlement like an, an Inuit settlement where I was uh, working from before. I mean, it seems unbelievable that that exists even. it's uh, So you basically stepped out of the world and you're looking back and so you can never look at it quite in the same way as having been in it all the time.
3: Yes, somebody said to me that the main danger of the whole expedition is when you hit the first big town on the way home. I don't think that's quite true, but um, it, it will be strange.
0: But you're excited?
3: I'm extremely excited. It's one of the it's one of the um, really beautiful parts of the earth. You know, it's it's um, leaves the Swiss Alps miles behind.
0: Well, that's the sort of music you won't hear too often on Radio too. It's the first movement from Vaughan Williams' Antarctic Symphony. He couldn't supply an arctic one, I'm afraid. Anyway, it's bringing our special New Year edition of Down to Earth to a close. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next Saturday night between 7.30 and 8.30. Until then, from me, Sianna Campbell, producer Siobhan McHugh and Pat Hogan on Sound, good night, take care and happy new year. We close now with the second movement.